Um, first of all, I'd just like to thank um, God for the privilege to stand before you today. And also a big thank you to my pastors for giving me the opportunity to share the word with you. Um, I think it's easier to share the word with people who don't know it, but for people who actually do know it, <laughs> that's another challenge. Uh, but we thank God for he gives us grace for all things. Amen. Today I want to speak to you about springing up. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to spring up. I'm going to spring up. Amen. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. My Bible reads, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees, on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. Amen. Now we'll go to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 2. We'll read verse 5 and 6. My Bible reads, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Amen. Last week, Sister Maya took us through Matthew 13. And the Bible says that sometimes seed doesn't grow because of the type of soil. But here in Genesis, God says sometimes seed doesn't sprung up from the ground because of absence of water. And if you have seed in the ground and there's no water, it will never spring up. That's why God caused water under the surface of the earth so that the seed that he had planted in the earth would spring up. Now, Jesus translates this parable to his disciples in Luke 8, verse 11, uh, going down. And he said that uh, the parable, the, the seed in the word of God represents, the seed that God spoke of in Matthew 13 represents the word of God. And we know that every one of us who have believed in Jesus Christ have received that word, and that word is Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. That is how we know that the seed is the Word of God. Now, the very beginning that we believed in Jesus Christ, God gave us His seed. And every time we hear the Word of God, God continues to plant that seed in our hearts. But it will never spring up unless we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We'll go there later on. So, John 15, 4 and 5 says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And it continues to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we know that apart from the seed of God, our lives will never amount to anything. We will never be people that are regarded highly because of the absence of the seed of God. So it is important for us to have the seed. That's why God gave us the seed. So Genesis says that no tree had sprung up from the ground. And Jesus here is referring to, to himself as the vine. And he says, you cannot bear any fruit unless you remain in me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. So we know that the seed is very important. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. So this shows us also that without the seed of God, we can never experience the full power of God. And if we want to experience the full power of God, we need that seed. We need that word of God. Amen. I took the liberty to look up save from which salvation comes from. And save in the dictionary says it is to help somebody to survive. It is to help somebody, to rescue somebody from harm. It is to keep safely, to safeguard, to spare someone from something undesirable. It is also to redeem and to protect. Amen. So for us to experience safety, for us to experience redemption and protection, for us to experience salvation, we need that seed. Without that seed, we can never experience the power of God that leads to salvation. Amen. So why did God give us this seed? We know that it is the desire of every sower to make sure that the seed that he plants in the soil brings us fruit. Amen. So when God gave us Jesus Christ and when God continues to plant his word in you, he expects you to bear fruit. Turn with me to John 15 verse 8. John 15 verse 8. My Bible reads, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We can never show that we are God's disciples if we do not bear fruit. When, when the Father planted his seed in us, he expects to see results. He expects to see seed. He expects to see fruit to come out of that planting. So um, I know that a lot of times as Christians, we have the word of God. But for some reason, we cannot uh, live up to our full potential because we are shy, because we are mediocre, because we are cowardly, because we don't think we're good enough, we don't think that we know enough. So that prevents us from bearing much fruit. But Revelation 21 verse 8 says, God will sentence the cowardly together with the immoral, those who do magic, he says they will sentence them together with um, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. He will sentence them to hellfire. So it is actually sin of us to have the seed, to believe in Jesus Christ and live lives that are mediocre. To live lives that are less than what God intended us to live. That's in Revelation 21 verse 8. So if you think of yourself less than what you really are, God says he will sentence you to hellfire. Because God has not given us the spirit of timidity. He has given us the spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. Why has he given us the spirit of power that we may do exploits? Amen. So why has God given us this seed? The first reason, I mentioned this before, it's for salvation. God has given us his seed for salvation. Romans 1.16 again, For I am not afraid, ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. First to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God has given us his seed for salvation. Amen. The second reason God has given us seed is so that we may grow. God is a God of increase. He wants things to grow. He's not a God of stagnation. That's why even when he created uh, uh, human beings, you start from being a fetus and then you're a toddler. 
and then you grow to be a kid, and then a young adult, and then you are an adult. God is a God of increase. He doesn't want things to remain the same. So he has given us the seed for us to grow. Grow is described as an increase, whether it be it in size, in number, or in value, and even in strength. And we see this, uh, um, Jesus Christ's first uh, miracle at the wedding in Cana. The guys ran out of wine, but God is a God of increase, and he couldn't bear to see people having less than enough. Jesus told his mother, my time has not yet come, but because he just couldn't take it, he's the God of increase. He couldn't take it. So he turned water into wine because he is the God of increase. So God has given us his seed so that we may grow. Grow in what? First of all, grow in faith. So we need to grow in faith. The more we read the word of God, we need to grow in faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So every time we read the word of God, we need to grow in faith. Every time we hear God speak, we need to grow in faith. Amen. We also need to grow in courage. Joshua went ahead and took over the enemies of Israel. All the people that stood on his way to the promised land. Joshua had the courage to go forward and take what God had promised him. We need to grow in determination as well. Isaiah says, I have set my face like a flint. I know I will not be put to shame. God says that every, everyone who calls out to him, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So for that very reason, we need to be determined and know that we will not be put to shame. Whether it's in our businesses, our marriages, whether it's in raising our children, we will not be put to shame. Have that confidence in God. The seed of God is to give us confidence. Amen. So we need to grow in righteousness. We need to grow in giving. We need to grow even in wealth. We see this in the life of Isaac. The Bible says that the man began to prosper, continued to prosper until he was very prosperous. We need to grow in good health. We need to grow, yes, even in fame. Because the Bible says, I will make your name great. You cannot be great and people don't know about you. Pastor Macduff knows Kim Kardashian. Can you believe it? Kim Kardashian of all people. So God has promised that he will make our name great. So we need to increase in fame. The seed of God has been given to us that we may, re- we may grow. Amen. So we cannot grow if we are timid, like I said before. We need strength and we need courage. We need power. We need determination. God created us to have power and authority. Luke 10.19 says, I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. And nothing, absolutely nothing shall harm you. That's another promise that God has given us. So we need to walk in confidence. Amen. God's word, every time we hear God's word, every time the seed of God is planted in our hearts, it should create confidence in us, confidence in his word. Don't you know that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force? So every word that God has given you, it is yours, it is his promise to you. Have you taken it by force? Because sometimes the devil wants to play games with your mind. And sometimes you feel, okay, maybe this, this word is not for me. Maybe it's for such and such a person. Or maybe this is not for now. It's for such and such a time. But God said that every word that he has given you, it's yours. It's his promise to you. Take it by force. Be violent about it. So the word of God is, about, is supposed to make us confident. It's supposed to make us strong. Turn with me again to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read Hebrews 11, 32 and 34. This is the story of 
the patriarchs of faith. The Bible gives us uh, a brief description of how your life is supposed to look like when you have the seed of God. How your life is supposed to move when you have God's seed planted in you. Hebrews 11.32. The Bible says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, another patriarch of faith, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. You're supposed to conquer kingdoms. They administered justice uh, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. You will escape the edge of the sword in Jesus' name. And it said, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. This is this should be your story. This should be your life story. There is a um, an American rapper. His name is The Truth. So he sings a song and he says, "If the Bible was rewritten and they decided to put you in it, how would your life read? If the Bible was rewritten and they decided to put Miriam in it, how would your life read? <laughs> would it be like Gideon?" Would it be like Sarah and Abraham who believed, God promised Abraham that he would make him the father of nations, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But when Abraham was dying, he only had Isaac. And the Bible says that though he did not see what God had promised, he believed to the end because he was longing for a better country. And for that reason alone, God says he is not ashamed to be called his God. Can God say he's not ashamed to be called your God? Other versions say, and God is not ashamed to be surnamed their God. So what they're saying is, you're Naomi, but God says your surname is him. And he's not ashamed of that because you have believed in what God has said. You have believed in what was promised. So if the Bible was rewritten, how would your life read? Would it read like Hagar? Can you imagine Hagar? Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham. Sarah had so many servants. And yet Hagar found favor in Sarah's eyes. So she took Hagar and gave him to Abraham. And yet Hagar falls pregnant and despises Sarah. Can you imagine? She would have chosen to, to, to she would have uh, uh, picked up any other slave that she had. But Sarah took Hagar and Hagar fell pregnant and she despised her. How would your life read if the Bible was rewritten? That's something that we should think about. There is a story that is told of a man, a very cautious man he was. He never laughed or played, he never risked, and he never tried. He never sang, he never prayed, and when the day passed, and one, when, when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied, and guess what the insurance said? Since he never really lived, that means he never really died. May that never be your portion. The insurance company said, no, we're not going to pay that claim, because this guy never lived. So why should we pay him money if he never lived? So since he never really lived, then he never really died. May that never be your portion in Jesus' name. The third reason why God has given us his seed is so that we may know our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Amen. Turn with me to Galatians 3 verse 18. Galatians 3 verse 18, it says, For if, he, if, if, 
For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Amen. Because we have believed in Jesus Christ, we are heirs of the promise of Abraham. And God says that he did not give it to Abraham in a law, but he gave it to Abraham in a promise. Now, every promise that God has said in his word for us, we need to take it. That is our inheritance. That is what God has given us as our portion. First Peter 1 verse 4 says that this inheritance will never perish, will never spoil, and it will never fade away. So God has given us the word of God, and in it are promises. Those promises are inheritance. So the seed, the word of God, helps us to know what is rightfully ours. Amen. Colossians 1.12 says, God has qualified us to share in the inheritance with the saints in the kingdom of light. Can you imagine that God would qualify us to share in the inheritance the promises that are his, that nothing on earth can surpass. God has qualified us for them. And then somebody dares and says, you don't qualify for this job. You don't qualify for this loan. You don't qualify to belong to this kind of people in society. Whilst God in his generous mercies has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. So the Bible tells us God's promises. That is your inheritance. You're supposed to claim it. You're supposed to take it by force. Amen. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. So it is important for you to know what God has said about you. God does not like people who are not knowledgeable who they are or who God is. God says that he does not like people who do not have knowledge. He says that because you have rejected to know what God has promised about you, because you have rejected to know who God is, God will also reject your children. May that never be our portion in Jesus' name. So let's make a plan to know what God says about us. Let's make a decision to know who God is. John 17 verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you. This is Jesus saying, That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. So knowing God is eternal life. Knowing what God has said and promised about you is eternal life. Amen. The last reason why God has given us seed is so that we may remind him of what he has said. God is not a man that he should lie. In him there is no variation, no shadow of turning. So whatever he says, the Bible says that his word doesn't return to him void. But when he speaks it, it comes to accomplish the purpose of which he has sent for it. So God says, I have given you my promises so that you can remind me of what I have said. Turn with me to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62, verse verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, I hope you're there. Verse 6 and 7, it says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You can call on the Lord. Give yourselves no rest. So the Bible says, do not rest. Don't fold your arms and rest. Give God a remembrance. Verse 7 says, And give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. 
So give God no rest. If God says he will make you great, give him no rest. Remind him until he has established it. If God says I will make you a millionaire, give him no rest. He said it himself. Did you ask him? Did you ask him? So if he said it, he must accomplish it. So the Bible says we need to remind God. God says that you did not choose me. I chose you. So because he chose us and gave us his promises, God says, remind me. Remind me until I have accomplished what I have spoken. So today I want to encourage you. I don't know what God has been speaking to you over the years. Through, through his word, through men of God, through prophets. Whatever word God has said to you, God says, remind me. Remind him until he has established you. Remind him. Don't give him rest. The Bible says, don't give me any rest. Imagine the, 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 the widow who kept going to the evil judge. The judge gave her justice. And if that judge was evil and he gave the widow justice, imagine the amount of justice that God will give us. So God says, remind me of what I have spoken. Give me no rest. So God has given us his promises that we may remind him. How can you remind God of things you don't know? So it's important for us to know what God has promised, to know what God says about us, about our children, about our future, so that we may remind him. Amen. So today, let's move a little about water. We're running out of time because we have to pray. So we're talking about water now. So as we read in Genesis, the Bible says that water had not yet come up, so the seed did not sprung up. So yes, you can have the seed of God in you, but it will never bear fruit without the presence of water. So Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is coming, and he will lead you into all truth. And that Holy Spirit will help us to spring up. Turn with me to John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37, we'll read down to 39. The Bible says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But we thank God because Jesus is glorified. And because Jesus is glorified, springs of living water are supposed to flow from within us. So without, without water, we cannot grow. And even if you have water, you cannot have, even if you have water and you don't have seed, there's nothing that can come out of it. But God is a God of water. God is a God of uh, order. Sorry. He cannot give you water unless you have seed. So anybody who has not believed in Jesus Christ, anybody who does not have the word of God, is not a candidate to receive water. So the Holy Spirit is water. John 4, 14 says, But whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into eternal life. So Genesis said the seed had not yet sprung up. Now in John 4, 14 says that springing up, that is going to spring up from you, is going to spring up to everlasting life. Can you imagine? Isn't God so wonderful? So he says you're not just springing up to nothingness. You're not just springing up so others can see it. You're springing up to eternal life. God wants us to have life. That's why everything concerning him is about life. So what are some of the facts of the Holy Spirit? Let's just go through that for a minute. 
Um, the first one is, he is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. Remember, we say that we have inheritance because we have received the seed of God. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee. Yes, as a guarantee of that inheritance. So nobody can stand and say, Faith, is that true? Are you sure God will prosper you? You say yes, because God has given you a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. Is is a guarantee that we will enter God's rest. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is given to those who are thirsty. Amen. We read in uh, John 7, 37. It says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So if you're not thirsty for him, he will not fill you up. The Holy Spirit is only for those who are thirsty. Revelation 21, 6 says the same thing. Revelation uh, 22, 17 says the same thing. It says, come, those of you who are thirsty, come and drink freely. It says, come and drink freely. So the Holy Spirit is for only those who are thirsty. The third point, 2 Peter 1. We read Second Peter one verse twenty. Sorry, I went to first Peter and I was like, what? This is not the verse I have here. 2 <laughs> Peter 1 verse uh, 20. So it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the third thing is that the Holy Spirit is the inspiration behind every prophecy. That's why prophecy must correlate with the Word of God, because it is the, the, the prophecy comes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So in, the, the Holy Spirit cannot inspire something that is against the Word of God. So that's another point that we need to note about the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives power. Remember in Acts chapter 2, Jesus said, remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Acts chapter 10, 38 says, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. So the Holy Spirit that, that God has given us, that water that causes us to spring up to everlasting life, God has given it to us so that we may go around doing good, that we may stand boldly and proclaim his goodness and proclaim his goodness and his wonderful works towards the children of men. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us to aid us into ministry. Pastor has been taking us through the, 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 this phase that he's pushing everybody to serve God and pushing everybody to stand up. We cannot do that unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Remember Peter who denied Jesus three times. After the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he stood boldly and people were like, who is this? What happened to Peter? 
But what happened to Peter is water, water that caused him to spring up to everlasting life. The third thing we need to know is that the Holy Spirit will help us to overcome our fleshly desires. Remember we say that uh, the soul was through seed and some seed fell on thorns. So the Bible says that the seed that fell on thorns are people who chalk the life out of the seed because they have so much care and so much desires. Their flesh is so much in control that they chalk the seed of God. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will help us to overcome our, our fleshly desires. The gossiping, the pride, the envy, the jealousy. God will help us to overcome it through the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 18. I'll read from the Amplified Bible. It says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to, controlled, and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, which is our human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the, of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict to each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law of Moses. Amen. So if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's what this water will help us. It will help us not to gratify the desires of the flesh. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's according to John 14, verse 17. It says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Amen. Thirdly, Oh, sorry, number seven, he is the spirit of truth. That's in John 16, verse 13. Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not some truth, but all truth. All truth about what you should wear, how you should treat people, how you should raise your children. Every truth that you need for survival, God says the Holy Spirit will reveal it unto you. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Amen. That's the last point. The Holy Spirit will tell you what is to come. He will reveal the future to you. Isn't that great? Isn't it bad? We say, I am uncertain of the future. I don't know what the future brings. But God says, the Spirit of truth will reveal to you the future. So we need the water. We cannot spring up into everlasting life if we don't have the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. So we have looked at Genesis, and four things fall into play in Genesis. There is the seed that God planted into the soil, that's the second thing, and then there's the water that causes the seed to spring up, and then the most dangerous part of the, 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 uh, the things that are mentioned here is the garden. Now in John 15, the Bible says that the Father is the gardener. And any fruit that does not, any tree that does not bear fruit, he plucks out and he throws into the fire. So the Holy Spirit, the seed, God has not given it to us for sure. He has given it to us because he wants to reap something out of it. He wants a harvest. So God says if he does not see a harvest, he will pluck it out and throw it into the fire. So it's important for us to be on our feet. All these elements are perfect. The seed is perfect. 
The water is perfect. The Father, the gardener, is perfect. Now we have a part to play. But we thank God because he has given us the garden. You know what the gardener does? He knows how much water to put in it. He knows when to trim it. He knows when to prune it. He knows the type of fertilizer that needs to go in there. He knows how much sand should go in there. So our lives are in God's hands. That's why it's important for us to yield to his will. Because his will is perfect. Without the will of the gardener, the tree will never grow. It will never bear fruit. Because the gardener knows what he's doing. He knows how to treat that plant until it grows. So we need to yield to the, to the will of God. Because without the will of God, we can never bear fruit. So just to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, God has given us seed that we should grow. He has given us the Holy Spirit that we should spring up. That's why in the beginning I said, tell your neighbor, I'm going to spring up. Because God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to spring up into everlasting life. He did not give his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die and shed his blood. His only son. Imagine the pain that he must have gone through to see his only son who was perfect. And he died for the sins of men. But he did all that because he so loved us. He wants us to spring up to eternal life. Amen.